Welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, as you know, this show is about life, people that are changing the world, changing life, and thought changers. And this gentleman that's coming on is definitely doing all of that. Guys, but I want to thank our sponsors first. Um, you guys know that when I was in the military, I got hooked on energy drinks. And I'm only allowed to have one a day now, but the only one that I choose to drink is a drink uh, by Bonvera called Physics Zero. So it, it tastes like Sprite, great energy, no crash. So definitely check out bonvera.com. Ask for Jason Lane. Guys, this is going to be a fun episode. This is going to be a great episode to learn. So get your pad and your paper out. This gentleman is changing the game of business and finance. So I want to welcome to my, our friend, my new friend, Joe Pardo. What's up, my brother? What's up, Super Richard? How you doing today? Come on, man. I get to talk to another Jersey boy that done good. Oh, uh, you know, I, I love I love Jersey, uh, especially South Jersey and Philly. Um, so I'm very proud to, to be from the area and uh, and even live in the house I grew up in. I, I bought it uh, over a decade ago. So, yeah, I'm in North Jersey. So I'm, I'm oh, right, nice. I'm right by Giant Stadium. Uh, OK. Are you a Giants fan or Jets fan? Uh, neither. I'm a neither. Dolphins, so. Dolphins fan. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I am a Yankees fan. So I got to say that. Phillies fan. Oh, Philly. I'm four for four. Phillies, Flyers, Eagles, and Sixers. Wow. So at least you're consistent. I'm all over the place. So, <laughs> so uh, like I said, you know, you're changing the game of finance and business. So I want to talk about all that. But, you know, I love to get to know the guy behind the business. So tell us a little bit about you. Tell us where you grew up and what kind of little boy Joe was. Oh, man. So I, I grew up in uh, mostly Clarksboro, New Jersey, where I still live to this day. Um, I I grew up uh, as part of a, a family that that got, you know, a divorcee family um, when I was about six years old. And, and when I was six years old, I, I knew what I wanted to do with my life, Richard. It I wanted to become a child psychologist because I wanted to help other kids going through divorce like I was. Um, I even cried on my grandparents' floor, uh, the grandparents that started my family's business um, in, tr- in the truck in the trucking industry. So I, uh, I cried. I was like, look, I- I'm the only boy. There's only just me and my sister. Like I'm expected to take over this business. And, you know, how am I going to do that? I want to help other kids going through, you know, divorce like me and, they, uh, you know, they told me like, you know, you can do anything you want to do. You know, your, your great grandfather was a street sweeper. Like, it, you know, just do it to the best of your ability and, and you'll be great. You know, you'll, you'll do great things. And that that really changed the, the course. Now, I never ended up going into being a child psychologist because school and me didn't really get along too well. Uh, you know, I, I, I was never into doing homework. So that, you know, immediately puts a a potentially a student down to like the low B to C category. And then if you don't pass all the tests, then you're, you know, were you're you, not, you're were not, you a sports kind of guy. Uh, I play as a kid. I did play sports uh, up until about high school. Then I got really deep into like computer gaming and, and that whole scene, uh, land parties and, and, and ultimately helped me, build events which you know that between that and growing up at the in the family business they would do a big event each year with a thousand people would come in for a vendor night and a customer appreciation where you'd have an open bar and a and a buffet and i you know growing up as a kid i'd run around grabbing all the pens and the free chotskis give you know given away by the vendors and stuff 
But, uh, but you know, that kind of played into how things really got shaped for me, I, you know, as a computer geek, basically. Um, I, I also got really into DJing. And as I got through, went through high school, I, you know, was really big into computer computers, computer gaming, and, uh, and went on to becoming a DJ, DJing at nightclubs and competitions, uh, DJ battles and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and some bars and stuff. So, so which helped me get me out of me out of my shell, you know, like as a, as a kid that rather sit behind the computer and, and do that thing, than than like stand up on stage and, and, you know, interact with the crowd and, and that kind of stuff. Not that I was always on the mic, but just from the music standpoint, uh, is what I, where I spent, uh, my time in, in my DJing career. But, and then uh, you, would, you know you were working for your family's business at the same time. Yeah, so from the age of six, I started working there, sweeping floors, uh, stocking shelves, doing you know uh, counting inventory, helping others count inventory, uh, all, all you know all the things that you know every six year old aspires to want to go into in their in their summer breaks from school. Six, seven, eight year old, nine year old, ten year old. Um, but I worked my way up. Uh, from that, from those beginnings, working in the warehouse uh, to working on the counter, uh, selling parts over the counter, learning more about the parts that I was touching, you know, every day in and day out. Um, and then took that and also translated it into sales, going out and doing sales calls. Uh, but at the same time, going back to like 2000, I was also the IT director. So whenever there was anything computer, phone, commu- telecommunications related, I-, I was the go-to guy because, again, I told you I grew up in front of com- – like my family grew up under trucks. I grew up in front of computers. So, you know, we we had that exploited so to what, its fullest. Are you, are you telling me the Joe Pardo story or are you telling me the Gary V story? Because no. <laughs> Gary V did, did the same thing, worked with his family's business and actually started growing the business so you sound you're pretty familiar uh no no definitely my story uh gary definitely you know his thing was though he took the marketing end of it and ran with it right um and and did something that like he was told oh like that's that's not a thing you shouldn't be doing that the the wine uh, whatever it's called wine library library. Yeah, yeah 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 so in my case it was the technology end of it where um, I took what I knew and I put it into algorithms for inventory management. And I worked my way up, way up to being the, uh, the COO of the company and developing the operations by utilizing technology and injecting that technology into the company to make us more profitable. Um, at one point, I, I took our, I, I built this algorithm that enabled us to go from a $6 million, you know, fluctuation of inventory uh, in the company down to 2.5 to 3 million. And we didn't have to fire sale anything. It was just by manipulating the, the, the stocking numbers um, on the principles that I, I developed over the years. So for me, um, technology has played a huge role in everything that I've been able to do, not only for my family, but also for the, you know, the clients that I work with on the coaching and consulting side. So now are you still involved in the company? So I left in 2014. It was unceremonious. It ended in a fist fight between me and my dad. Uh, it was very toxic at that time. It was not a very welcome change that I would be leaving the company. And uh, in 2018, I came back to work. Uh, but the thing was, was the comp- the biggest part of that company, that $100 million company had been sold off uh, at that point. It was sold off a year after I left. 
And so what was left was because it was a total of five businesses that made up this this like enterprise um, was the uh, the the repair. The, we had a truck repair company that had been in our family since the 60s. So that was pretty much left with a properties company uh, in the wake of the truck parts company being sold. There was also a logistics company and a uh, trucking company like a straight up like you know, own the trucks, own the trailers and moving, moving product for people. So when I came back, it was, it, that had all been dismantled down to just a properties company and a, uh, a, a repair, one single repair shop. And the, uh, the decision to come back in 2018 was made um, a lot to do with, because we had our second child and I needed more income at the time than I was making uh, solo, especially with insurance and, and all that. And time, uh, you know, time investment was tough at the time with, with, you know, two kids in two years. Wow. You're a sucker for punishment. Yeah, I know, uh, I know, man. I know. <laughs> so now, you know, we're going to talk business a little bit, you know, because a lot of people are going to listen to this are entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, I was in the health and fitness industry for over 30, 32 years and ran a million dollar a year, uh, general nutrition center. Awesome. And I, you know, a lot of companies go out of business, like you're saying, because you have, you know, five million, six million dollars sitting on the shelves and it's sitting there and you're having to pay shelf space and also also paying it just to have on yourself, you know, on your shelf. You're, you're paying a square footage plus you're, you had to buy it in the first place. So t- talk to us a little bit about people knowing their margins but also knowing how much inventory they should be having on their hands. Yeah, you got to be able to, to strike that balance, right? So there is... um there's a lot to be said for having the inventory on hand. Right. And, and my grandfather, you know, he didn't really believe in returning things. And that the reason was because the way the trucking industry was and the way it changed to by like, you know, 2005, eight, nine, 10 um, was, you know, every truck had its own unique part. So, you know, you would, ha- you would buy stuff, it would sit on the shelf and eventually, you know, it's metal in most cases. So like, People are going to come in, they're going to buy it, and, and now the markup on it is higher than what it originally was because it sat on your shelf. So it's like, oh, well, I already bought I bought it once. I don't have to buy it again until I sell it. Uh, but th- at that point, if you're not keeping control of your mins and maxes of what you stock, the min amount and the max amount of each, each part um, or each product, you're, you're really running the risk of uh, having things that sit on your shelf that don't pay the rent. So in my mind, everything has to pay rent. You pay rent, whether it's taxes, square footage of rental, mortgage. Um, so the square footage that something takes up is something, you know, that square footage you could be using for other things, like, you know, buying more of something that you do sell rather than holding on to things that are just collecting dust. And, you know, maybe someday somebody will come by and you'll have that part, but, Maybe they don't, or maybe that person is understanding enough where they could wait, you know, uh, two or three days to get the part in because they know the truck is was from 1988 and it takes a little while to get that part. Um, it's you know, it, it's not expected that you would have it. So I, I think it's about managing expectations both for yourself and for your customer base. And when we were implementing the the algorithm into the inventory, I mean, there was a lot of pushback. Right? People were like. You're, 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 you're bleeding us dry here, Joe. Like I got nothing. And it's like, 
you know, but then they would give examples of part numbers and I'd be like, well, let's, let's, let's break out the computer. Let's take a look. Right. And it's like, okay, that part number that you're saying is so important that you got to hold on to 10 of them. You haven't sold it in, in over 25 months. It's been three years since you sold it or, or at least within the third year ago. Right. So more than 25 months ago, since you sold it, do you really need 10 of them on your shelf? Well, uh, you know, that person comes in and it's like, okay, well, let's go and actually look at that. And it's like, well, that person has been in six months as it is. So what are we talking about here? Right. Um, You know, we as humans have very bad concepts of time and money, uh, but computers don't. Right. They they can help guide us. Now, with that said, uh, it's really important that if you want to get people on your side, uh, it's the old like crab mentality, right? Turn the turn the heat up over time. Don't don't turn it all up once. Now that was a young that was a young Joe mistake. Uh, at, you know, at twenty three years old, twenty four years old, where I was like, hey, we got this, we got this uh, algorithm. We're gonna you know implement it and we're going to tweak it. And and God did I tweak it. Like every day that I was running the algorithm again in different product lines and trying to get it right. And it took forever to run that algorithm. So, you know. You have to be willing to like look at the numbers, use them as a guide, and then find a way to enable your team to be empowered so that they want to uh, and and can have the ability to have their own input. You know, what's really ironic is, is when I made all these changes, people fought me tooth and nail. They've really it really led up to me wanting to leave the company in 2014, actually in 2013. Um, but the fact that matters is, is a year after I left, they found out that the company that bought us, they got even less input. So they weren't able to just stock whatever they wanted. They weren't able to just say, well, I have 10 of them on the shelf. It's saying I should stock zero, but I want to keep two of them. It, the computer says you send all of them, you send all of them, or you're going to hear about it. Right. And, and me learning, you know, really quickly to adjust enabled myself to say, well, keep, keep, Keep two of them. It's no big deal. Send me eight so I can redistribute the eight to other stores. It's not the end of the world, right? But it's important for people to still feel uh, safe and valued. And especially when you're talking about people that have worked there as long as I had been alive. <laughs> so, you know, 20 plus years, I've only, you know, at that point I was like 23, but basically as long as I had been alive, these people have been a part of our family. But unfortunately, you know, like I said, my store when I was managing the store, they were right next door to a Radio Shack, okay? And Radio Shack had a whole belief, um, well, this is the way we've always done it, and this is the way it's going to be, and guess what? They're out of business. Yep. They, they didn't pivot. So, you know, now, especially now at times with COVID, you know, things are different. Things are not the same way. You, you can't just open a brick and mortar and people are going to show up. It's just not happening, yep. you know? So when you had to introduce your... Uh, your algorithm i'm sure you had to say well you know whoever was in charge listen you know things are not the way they used to be so we kind of have to move on with the times was that one of your big things when you know you have somebody sometimes older like me i'm I'm 52 years old and when my you know my kids start talking about tiktok and clubhouse <laughs> and I'm, but that's the way the world is going now so when you have a company that you work that you want to work with or they want to work with you all of a sudden you're saying, you know, listen, you know, there's a new way to do things. And they keep and they say to you, well, let's just keep doing the things the way we were doing them. What is your response? So the old way is the building blocks to the new way, right? It's the stepping stones to the new way. And 
it's not that we have to rip the carpet out from under out from ever. Not every situation is so dire that you're like, Hey, we really like, you know, when we, when we started with the, you know, I would start, went to implement the algorithm at that point, there was, um, you know, 2009 had happened. Right. And then 2012 was not really any better. Um, you know, we had a, another mini recession there and the trucking industry was changing and sales were not as budding as they once were, right? Things were, margins were getting tighter, more things were getting commoditized, and that squeeze towards less differentiators in the parts that were being put on trucks was really ramping up. So, so to me, like, I, I was like, look, we, we, you know, we have the opportunity here to do something that, like, I remember being quite a bit younger and bringing because this program was in our in our system. Right. But the program that was in there to manage the inventory like level at stocking levels was very rudimentary and didn't even really work. I remember bringing it, having a conversation with my grandfather. I'm like, why are you printing out all these sheets and then manually making marks on the sheets and then giving it to someone else to manually type in all those changes and potentially making mistakes along the way. Right. Um, and you don't even get that level of granularity of data from the sheet because paper is only so wide, you know, I mean, you, you know, we don't have the, uh, was the carriage carriage carrier, uh, printers yeah. like, we, like those have been gone at that point. So, so it didn't even have those extra wide, uh, legal sheet style pads or, or pieces of paper to print on. So, so it was like, okay, let's. Let's figure out how we can implement this. And I reached out to our computer company and we, I started digging into like, okay, how can we make this work, right? What changes do we got to make to this? And I drove, I mean, I sat on the phone with them for hours and hours to make that happen. Um, you know, getting people on board is, it, it really is, can be an art form um, in, in trying to, to walk that line of like, you know, we really need to do this or things might get a lot worse a lot sooner than we would prefer them to, right? Like, oh, you know, we'll worry about this something in the future. Like, that's great. Um, but if but if you're to the point where you're like, oh, no, like, we're, you know, we're, at the rate we're going within, you know, six months to a year, we might not be in business anymore if we don't make some kind of change, right? So it's <clears throat> sometimes you have to, see the prize, right? Set the goal and, and then kind of pump the brakes a little bit, get some feelers out there and see what your team is feeling. Right. Um, and maybe the changes aren't for everybody, but like I said, the, at the beginning, the building blocks of to the new way are made from the building blocks of the old way. So, you know, did we do it differently? Not really. I mean, yeah, the numbers were changing, but we incorporate the ability for our managers to step up and say, hey, I want to keep this. I want to keep that. I want to stock this. Sure, you can stock it, but you can't just, you know, we had a, a bad habit of, hey, Richard, I want to stock these pens, right? So I'm going to stock, uh, I'm going to stock 40 of them. And, and when I go to stock it, I'm going to make sure I put in a minimum stocking and a maximum stocking. So we minimum, we're going to have 10 and maximum, we're going to have 40. And then time would go by. And because you have so many, like literally hundreds of thousands of parts across 11 stores uh, with each of them having the, you know, their own lines, uh, vendor lines and stuff, it gets lost in the shuffle, right? If you're not constantly going through it by hand over and over and over and over again, that's where the algorithm could like make those course corrections. Now, figuring out the right math to get the desired results, that's the real art form because that can take a lot of time and effort to like really dial it in. 
Okay, so then when did this whole Super Joe thing come about? So the Super Joe thing goes back to 2006, which uh, I was I was going through a, a difficult relationship at the time. Uh, it was like in year or two, and it was it was not going well at all. Um, and my one of my best friends uh, gr- growing up lived across the street from me. He ended up working for us for for a couple of years. And he, we shared an office together. Like, how cool is that, right? You, your best friend growing up, you're sharing an office. Um, and, 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 you know, it wasn't always that cool. Like, cause uh, you know, I was like, I, I love, I love you, Matt, but spending, you know, all day with you. And then we go back home and we hang out after work, you know, it's, it's just, a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of Matt and Joe time. Um, but he, he, uh, drew this stick figure, like this little sketch of a, of a superhero flying through the clouds. And it, it said super Joe on the chest of the person, um, like in the, like where like the Superman emblem would be. And I didn't think, or maybe it was, or maybe it was underneath, but I didn't think anything of it. I was like, Oh, you know, that's cool. I, I really appreciate that. And he said that, you know, you're always positive. You're always trying to, you know, innovate and change and see what you can do, see what you can help and, and try to make other people's days better. And, and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. So I take the, I take that piece of paper and I kind of like shove it into my desk and, and I forgot about it. And then it was after I left the company in 2014, I'm cleaning out my desk, uh, late, you know, later on, I'm like, uh, you know, what, what is this? I was like, this is, this is cool. Like I forgot all about this. Right. Cause now it's like, uh, eight years later or something like that. So, um, I'm like, what if, what if I went and registered super Joe and, and by that point, people were already really impressed with the the podcast and and you know starting to write books, uh, the books I started to write and and the speaking engagements and the videos I was putting out and all this stuff and and then it you know I I was like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna switch over to not just like you know the, having people call me Super Joe Pardo I'm going to just use SuperJoePardo.com as my main site and move everything to there so it's in one place and and really go in and own that and that was in 2017 i believe was when i when i cuz i had the domain it was forwarding to my other sites but i i was like let's let's go in and own it and uh and that's what i've done since 2017 and i'll tell you like i've had people with doctorates so like oh it's you know doctor this or doctor that they're like i would give up my doctor you know name to give to get your super name and I and I appreciate it. To me, it's all about bringing the super out of other people. What can I do to you know put a smile on their face, make them think like, okay, what like how you doing, Richard? Uh, I'm doing okay. Well, what do we have to be doing to be to, you know what do we have to do to get you to great? What do we have to do like what do we have to do to move the needle and make you you know make you feel like you're you're doing something better you know you're doing better than you are. Now, with that said, I'm a very much a positive realist um so so i do you know sometimes i come off negative some but but it's really because it's the realist in me that's you know creeping in there to say you know look everything's you know everything we're trying to be positive hey we're going through covid business is tough uh we you might have to reinvent yourself uh hopefully you already have because you're well behind the curve at this point if you haven't um and you know but we're we're going to get to the other side of this right and and now we're going to have multiple multiple revenue streams when we are able to open up back fully, right? Because we've taken the time to figure out a game plan of okay, we're going to make these adjustments and go and attack the multiple revenue streams, not just the one that we've had before, or maybe the one or two that we had before. 
No, you know, I, I truly love that. And, you know, I was talking to a gentleman today and we were talking about branding, you know, and like a lot of people say, you know, you are your brand. You know, you are super Joe. You know, I am the comeback coach. So, you know, it's kind of like if you were watching a press conference and Michael Jordan came out wearing Adidas, you'd be like, your mind would be blown because he is Air Jordan. He, he is almost Nike. did. He almost, so, I don't know if you know that story, but he almost didn't yeah. take the Nike deal. Yeah, but so talk to us about proper branding. So, look, there's lots of things that go into branding, right? Um, how people interact with that brand, how you interact with the brand, how you talk about the brand, how um, people find out about the brand, how they self-identify with the brand. I am a big – are you are you familiar with the story branding, Richard? I yes, am a I am. huge proponent of that. Um, I was a proponent of it before I even knew what it was, like because I, you know, I, I'm a grew up a big Disney fan, so like I knew, you know, Disney, Apple, um, you know, some of these other companies that like they know how to inject the story. So before I ever had heard about it, I already knew. Like as soon as I re- started to listen to the audiobook, I was like, I already, I already know this, like. This makes a lot of sense. And but it's also really easy to want to go down the road of putting yourself at the forefront of it when it's really supposed to be about the person, you know, that you're helping. Right. Um, So you have to like sometimes you have to pump the brakes, take a look at what your brand is, what you know, where you're at with it and what story are you trying to tell? Um you know, with the in regards to uh, other stuff with branding, like just simple things, right? Simple things from col- like colors, making sure that you aren't like, oh, we're gonna put together this Facebook ad, and then you use like the 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 image from uh, like one of the stock like stock images.com or something and it has like the stock imaging you know uh, watermark across it things like that like don't like those are the kinds of mistakes that you don't want to make because they stick with people you know they stick in people's minds um so you know getting really clear on your 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 colors your you know the the, um, the angles that you use i mean that can that can be all next level stuff um, but before you even get to all that, like the number one thing I would think about if, you, if you're trying to like, okay, how do I take my business, right? Like I have this business, but how do I look at it from a brand standpoint, right? Like you, you really got to dig deep. So one of the first things I would do is I would go, and I just actually gave a talk about this last, this past weekend, um, is, is I would look at the who, right? Who is the avatar that we're serving? And then I would start asking myself all kinds of really deep questions about that person. Um, not just like demographic, like, oh, they make this much. They, you know, they're this, you know, colored skin. They in this, you know, area living in this area. Um, they're dry, you know, like, what are they driving? Why are they driving that car? What kind of shoes do they wear? Why are they buying those shoes? Is because they're, is it because they're cheap? Is it because, you know, all these things that you can build out this story of the who of uh, who your brand is trying to to target at is going to lend your lend it so much easier for you to figure out how to go about targeting those people and how to position your brand uh, with you know maybe it's the right colors or, or something to that effect but but more like more realistically in the short term like how do I put a, together a Facebook ad that's really going to speak to that person and when you're putting those avatars together 
or avatar together, don't be afraid to do multiple, right? Because you might put together that person. I was running this through with one of my clients just the other day. We, we put the whole person together, like, what do they drive? How do they, you know, why do they drive that? What kind of job did they do? How did they get to that job? What was their biggest accomplishment in high school? You know, things like that. And we got to the end of it and we're like, we looked at each other and I was like, we're not trying to reach this person. We're trying to reach this person's spouse or significant other. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, cool. So it leads from one idea to the next. And it's like, okay, now I need to dig in. What does that spouse look like? What does that significant other look like? What do they do? How, how did they get there? What was their biggest accomplishment in high school? How did these people meet? You know, and, and the more you can do that, it's not just about like, you know, cause a lot of people will get kind of hung up on the idea that you're narrowing the focus and that's kind of the point. Well, mostly the point, but you're, you're just opening up the idea that you could like, okay, how do we hit this target person? It's kind of like when you turn on the TV, when you turn on the radio and you hear, uh, Coca-Cola, all right, uh, let's just use an example. And they're targeting their message to different demographics and, but they have a lot of money to be able to do that. Right. So they're able to have one kind of Coke commercial that's like this and a whole nother one targeting a whole different demographic going on at the same time. Cause they have the money to do that. We as small entrepreneurs, small business owners, even maybe medium business owners, medium sized business owners, we don't have that luxury of, of having that kind of cash to burn while we're doing all that. Right. So we get really intentional and figure out like, okay, if we can get it down to like three avatars, maybe you get it down to three avatars and you say, what's the link between these three? Maybe I could come up with something that, that link that, you know, that, that makes a spark there that I could link between the three that now I'm making one message that, that pulls on the heartstrings of the fact that they all love pickup trucks and they not just any pickup truck, but they love Ford pickup trucks. Why do they love Ford pickup trucks? Well, let's go back into the history books and see what kind of ads they put together. Now I'm looking at those ads and starting to pick key up on things that they're putting into their ads that speak to that demographic. You, you, you see the picture here? Oh, yeah. And, you know, like I see it all the time. Like when I first started my podcast, um, it started out as a health and fitness podcast. And I was trying to reach everybody and I was reaching mm -hmm. nobody because I was using the whole military, you know, the whole pray and spray thing. And I wasn't actually niching down on anything. So I couldn't really focus on anything, which is, you know, I think what you're talking about is sometimes you have to get down to that you know, like you said, the granule level. Um, now I talked to a, a billionaire and I asked him, I said, you know, we were playing cards one night and I said, what's, you know, what's the difference between a poor person and a rich person? And he says, well, son, he says, there's two things. It's their questions that they ask and also their vocabulary. That's the only difference between a rich person and a poor person. And I really kind of blew my mind when, you know, cause especially when you're talking about, you know, asking those high level questions and sometimes people start businesses without actually asking those questions that yeah. they need to ask. Yeah, no, asking questions is, is important. I mean, in my first book I wrote a whole chapter on, you know, ask ask questions, never stop asking questions. So, now, how many four. books have you written? And now, you know, a lot of people cuz I when I put my my book out it's do, still doing well on Congratulations. Amazon. Um but when Yep. Yep. But it's a helping book. So it's kind of like it, it helps a lot of people out that are dealing with depression, mm. PTSD and stuff like that. But when you first write a book, you know, people think, OK, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to put it on Amazon and then they do it and then they hear crickets. It's like, no, just getting there is the first step. You actually have to work it. 
So tell us about your first experience getting your book published. Yeah. So I, uh, my first book was published about a year after I started my podcast in 2014, May of 2014. Um, and, that book uh, took th- three months or three months to write uh, something like that, like three months to write and get it published out, out onto Amazon. And what I did was, um, and this, you know, we all learn, right? We all, we all do what we got to do to, to, you know, cause we pay in education, right? That's our, that's how, that, that's what we're paying. And in, in time, you know, t- the time to, to get educated. So, I uh, put the book out and it wasn't to crickets. Uh, it actually went to uh, Amazon uh, bestseller for, uh, I think it was self-help or something to that effect. But the thing was, was the book was free, right? So the book, while it, you know, it moved like 10,000 copies or something like that, it was, it was totally free at the time. And I was okay with that because I wanted the exposure, so we, I, you know, things that I did to promote it, like at the time I was still going, I like, after I left my family's business, I went back to school for, um, a couple of semesters because I don't have a degree. So I thought, yeah, you know, maybe I should go back to school and, and all that. But then talking with the teachers, they pretty much were like, what we don't know. We don't want like collectively, like, we don't understand what you're doing here. Like you already have all the experience, you, you know, you're getting A's on all your tests. Like what, what is a associate's degree really going to do for you right like what, what are you looking to get out of this so um but when I, one of the things i did was i when i went into my classrooms i was like hey i told the teacher like hey i just released a book can you know can we can we get everybody in here to download it so we can get lots of exposure that way so they did you know we did so these classrooms you know 30 30 plus kids well, we say kids but 30 plus people right um you know, download the book all at once. So, so it's like it pushed it up the charts a lot quicker. So there's things like that that um, can really help. And and I would say that uh, I, I wouldn't do it for free again. In fact, one of my my good friends reached out to me. and was like, hey, what do you? Why are you doing this? And I was like, well, I really want the exposure. I'm not really worried about the money from it right now, anyway. Um, you know, it, it, it's a different kind of book. It's a it's a self help book uh, that that fit with the podcast that I had at the time. So, uh, you know, to me, it was like, it was all about the bigger picture of like, okay, we just, you know, building the audience, get people really invested in listening, uh, reading and, and watching me. And then we'll, we'll, I'll grow it. You know, I'll worry about the money part of it from that angle of it later. Plus, you know, I'll sell the physical, that was for the, you know, the, the digital copy, the, the, the physical copies were all paid, you know, books that were, that were being sold. Uh, but they didn't nearly get as high to that volume as, uh, as the free version did, but you know, so it's, it's just about, um, you know, getting, being really intentional with what your goal is and what you're looking to accomplish with it. And then see, you know, as long as you have the goal, like you'll know if you miss it and you can adjust from there, but you'll have something to compare it to. Um, and I think that's sometimes like, and I've seen this with a lot of businesses I've worked with. It's just like, okay, well, this is what we're doing, but they never actually set like those monthly goals, right? Like what's our monthly sales goal? Well, you know, this is what we've hit for the last like four or five months. And, and it's like, okay, but like, what's the goal? We can move the goalpost. We can miss the goalpost. That's okay. But we have like, where is the goal? And you got to be the one that sets that, sets that uh, up. Because if you don't, you know, other people aren't going to probably do that for you. I love that. So now talk to us uh, about podcasting, you know, because when you first started out, maybe there was 
100, 200,000 podcasts out there. Now there's millions. Everybody and their brother's got a podcast. But it's unfortunate is people don't realize that the average podcast lasts less than 10 episodes. And when a person hits over 100 episodes, it's like maybe 5% of people actually hit that number. So do you think consistency is the key? Yeah. So whenever I do something, I try to do it as much as I possibly can. So when I was podcasting, I was recording nonstop when I started podcasting because I wanted to get better at talking on the mic. I wanted to get better with the, you know, getting the recordings that down uh, and getting more and more guests and get just getting more experience, like talking to people. I mean, I'm always the person that people came to to talk. When people left my show, they would say, I feel like I just left the therapist's office. Right. And that goes right back to as a child wanting to be a child psychologist, right. And, and wanting to help people in that manner. Um, so, so for me, you know, I, I always like, uh, how do I, how do I do this? And then how do I do it so much so that I get really good at it? And, and then I, then I start to back off from it. Right. Like, so with podcasting, I went in, in the first week I released, you know, episode one, in the second week, I I was like, well, I have 20 episodes in the tank. I should go to three days a week. So I did that Monday to or was it? I think it was Monday, Wednesday, uh, Friday. Right. And then uh, about a month in, I was hitting iTunes new and noteworthy. And I was like, oh, you know, things are popping off like this is great. Now, in, in hindsight, it's like I probably shouldn't have been on iTunes new and noteworthy. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense considering I had very little experience in doing what I was doing. And my editing was not bad because I had a lot of editing experience from DJing. But, you know, listening back to those old episodes, they were maybe a little too robotic. I tried to get rid of every um and ah, and I wasted a whole lot of time that seven years later, I really wish I could have put more into marketing the show rather than just editing, you know, recording and editing the show. Um and later on in life, like I, I eventually in 20, like 2017, I went and did, uh, I started vlogging cause I, I really wanted to like do business lessons daily, uh, you know, while through like doing it in a vlog style. Cause I'm like, Oh, nobody's done that. Like I should totally do that. So I did it and I did it daily for a hundred days and I got really good at editing. I got really good at shooting video. I got really good at like, you know, making sure that things made sense now, what I didn't make sure of was was that the SEO was there so people would actually find the videos. And, and that's actually something that, like, even to this day, like, I, I'm still going through those old videos uh, and and figuring out better keywords and, and what I can do to get them, you know, pumped up the um, pumped up the list a bit there. But um, but, you know, so it's like I when I when I decided I was going to start doing these biz coach reacts videos with on YouTube. Uh, I'm doing them five days a week now. So I, I mean, today I've already recorded uh, like eight, I think eight, eight, eight with different people with get different guests. So, so to me, like, I just, I just want to get really good at get the process down as pat as I can. And then, you know, while I keep releasing five for, you know, five, uh, five a week, I don't, well, actually we're not even releasing five a week. We're actually releasing nine a week at this point. Um, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's working. So I'm I'm interested in continuing to to do it. It doesn't take a ton of time to do it. Um, but the the important thing is is you know I want to do something. I'm going to jump into it full force. Uh, you know, put some other things on pause to get really really good at the process and get better at understanding it and and what I can take away from that that uh, experience and apply it to other experiences and other uh, areas of my business. 
So now talk to us, you know, uh, what you're doing with podcasts and what you have going on with your different things and your, you know, you're hosting your own podcast stuff. So tell us what you're doing. Yeah. So I, uh, so I, I mean, my podcast started out as the dreamers podcast back in 2014. I was on a plane to Disney world. And at the time I just released my first DJ album and I, I was talking with a friend of mine who I was flying down to run a race with. And he was like, Oh, have you heard of this other podcast uh, where they just interview entrepreneurs? And I was like, uh, no, I, I didn't. To me, podcasting was all about, you know, Disney, <laughs> Disney geeks sitting around, you know, do having a round table discussion. So I was like, okay, well, uh, I, you know, I never thought about podcasting like that. So the, you know, I was like, I know a lot of people in business, like, and I had just left my family's business at that point. And I really didn't know what I was going to do. I went to a bunch of networking events and things, but I, nothing, nothing was really like ringing through to, to me. And while we were on the plane, I, I developed the name uh, and I wrote out a list of all the people I would have. I was like, you know, I know a lot of people in business, but I know a lot more people live in their dream. So I, the plane landed, I whipped out my phone and I, I registered the domain name, the Twitter handle, the Facebook page before we got to the rental car. Two weeks later, I had my first episode out because, uh, you know, my man, Al Kessel, who's my Mr. Voice on the show, he, uh, he, gave, he filled in some of the blanks. I had been building websites since 96, so I already kind of had a background in, in tech. I had a background in audio recording with the DJing, so I already kind of, you know, knew what I was doing. I just needed to get really good at talking on the mic as well as... Uh, get you know the, putting some pieces together to get it on you know up on the internet as a podcast. So um, so about a uh, about six months later, I you know I love bringing people together. To me, like that's that's like what life really boils down to is like how can I bring people together, have a great time. So being at uh you know d- being like that I was like you know let's bring let's bring people together uh, to a, uh, to a podcast conference. So I founded the at the time it was called the Mid-Atlantic Podcast Conference in December of 2014. Uh it's now called the Independent Podcast Conference uh and it has grown significantly over the course of 20 20 thanks to doing 11 virtual conferences like i said when i do something i like to do it a lot so for that for 2020 my goal was to to have one every two weeks and we did that starting uh i think the first one was like march 28th uh and i did one every other week up until uh the end of october um which at that point i said i need to i'm going to take the last two months of the year off from all of that and just decompress and uh and and figure out what the ne- you know what next steps look like but um but yeah so we we uh we hold an annual conference every every september we hold it here in south jersey um the last time we had one in person was 2019 we actually held it at the ocean uh casino and resort down in atlantic city which was absolutely incredible um normally we host it at a at the holiday inn uh down here in swedesboro right like 20 minutes from the airport so we have we have people come internationally we've had people from uh, australia we've had people from the uk canada all across the country uh join us year in and year out they absolutely people absolutely love it they go crazy for it um and it's it's something that's different from other podcasting conferences because we don't have multiple tracks we put everyone in one room so you're rubbing elbows with all these big name podcasters or you know veteran podcasters hall of fame podcasters um and and that's you know so we do that because you know I want people to feel like they're hanging out in my living room you know it, it's a chill vibe nobody gets stressed up for it you know it's it's t-shirts it's jeans it's you know your favorite podcasting apparel 
Um, and, and we, we talk podcasting for, uh, two and a half days and it's just so much fun. Well, I would love to definitely, um, get in. Yeah. I'd love to have you to be able to hang out and for, and no, well, not only that, but you know, now, like now we've talked, you know, and I know you're from Jersey. So now there's no reason we shouldn't get together, have lunch and actually start building a real relationship from here on out you know because whenever i have anybody on my show um the relationship just starts with the recording yep. and it builds from there that's why i have so many i have a lot of friends in life and i'm i'm grateful for that so the last two questions like you already asked answered most of them but how do we find you how could we support your mission yeah well how first we of all richard books? i want to say um when people ask me like what have i gotten out of podcasting i tell them it's it's friends it's relationships it's people like that's the number one thing like if you're getting into this to be like ah i'm gonna make a million dollars look when i got started i was like hey i'm gonna get this sack of money coming through my computer screen so fast it's gonna it's gonna make my head spin like i looked at what that you know what some of the other entrepreneurs in the in the space were doing and i just you know worked backwards from that example and was like okay i'm gonna build you know from speaking to uh coaching to podcasting uh, the, you know, these are like the, and, and writing books, like these are the four key areas that I'm going to put my focus in. And I'll tell you, nobody understood it. They you know, like, I never even heard what a podcast was like, what is that? Um, it's, it, but ultimately what I've gotten out of this is the relationship. So when you say, you know, relationships and the, and the conversation is the first thing I can't tell, I have friends all over the world, as I'm sure you do too, Richard, uh, from, from the podcast, it just, it builds on itself, um, and it and it the relationships I have made so many friends. It's it's absolutely incredible. So more power to you for recognizing that. Well, you know, I've I've always you know, like I said, I'm a big Gary Gary V guy. You know, got to meet him, got to talk to him a couple times, and you know, something that he said in one of his books, I don't remember which one, is that if you promote your friends ten times more than you promote yourself you'll never have to promote yourself again. So I kind of fell into that where I rather talk about my friends. And like, if I do make a post on Facebook, it usually includes two or three of my friends. So it's always promoting others and always taking care of others. That's just my opinion. So tell us, how can we find you? How do we find your books? How do we get your courses? Yeah, so, uh, so you can podcast? get everything over at superjoepardo.com. If you want to work on growing your business's profit, uh, you reach out to me uh, over at superjoepardo.com. Uh, it's at superjoepardo on all social media. If you want to get involved, if you want a podcast, if you want to you know, figure out like what you can bring to the table for an, you know, the niche or industry that you're in, and you're like, I need to have a podcast, go over to indiepodcasters.com. That's I n-d-i-e podcasters.com uh we have a free commute facebook community which we just uh are coming up on 2500 members which is absolutely insane because literally in september of 2019 when we changed the name from mid-atlantic podcast conference to indie podcast conference or independent podcast conference uh we were about 400 members so in a little over a year we've 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 uh like five times that so far and it's growing daily so uh it's really supportive it's really tight-knit um and you're you know we welcome everybody and anybody into the family uh to to you know to, to chat and get information and all that and then our next uh event will be our our next in-person event is supposed to be september 9th to the 11th um tickets are on sale now i'm hoping that it's in person uh, I'm kind of getting more and more hopeful as the days go by. 
that it actually will will actually be able to pull it off. Um, but if it's not, it will be virtualized. And we our next virtual event is April 17th. It's the Super Entrepreneur Conference. And you can go check that out, superjoepardo.com slash super. Uh, as well as the next indie PodCon is uh, May 29th. That'll be virtual. Uh, uh, that'll be a virtual event for beginners. That's a that's a key one. That's for beginner podcasters. So go over to indiepodcon.com. Definitely gonna check it out. And our, um, if we are connect, connected on LinkedIn, I'll have to check. But um, hopefully we are. Uh, last question I ask everybody because I ask a hundred <laughs> different people, I get a hundred different answers. That's why I love the question. Um, you know, we're such a busy world, you know, usually parents are working two jobs now because of COVID, a lot of people are homeschooling. So if I ask somebody to do something in the next seven days, it pretty much will never get done. It'll put it on the back burner. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely to do it. So if you know somebody that's struggling with their business or their podcast, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours? Number one thing, grab a pe- piece of paper, grab a pen, start writing down your process right now. And, and you'll start to see where the inefficiencies are right out of the gate. Um, you know, go, you know, obviously businesses, the, the more complicated, the more processes, but just start with, start with what you do. Right. And then start with what, what the rest of your team does. And if you're doing a lot of things, then maybe you need a bunch of different sheets of paper to represent each of those pieces. And then, uh, I, to go to double on that when you once you get your processes written down go and use the uh, eisenhower matrix to decide what's really important and what needs to be done what can be outsourced and what could just be thrown away all right hold on now just back up a second uh the eisenhower is matrix the eisenhower is the uh i'm pretty sure it's the eisenhower matrix maybe it's not the roosevelt matrix maybe it's the no no yeah it's the eisenhower matrix uh, i always get those two confused so it's a so what you do is you're going to make a a cross right like a like a plus sign on your piece of paper and then the top left corner is your most urgent and most important things in the top right corner is your less urgent but it's also but it's still important right so uh so you're uh, your I don't I forget my x and y axis, but your 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 horizontal, your top and bottom, like your top uh, column, right? Your columns are urgent, less urgent. Your uh, rows are important, less important. And it basically, if it's less important but it's urgent, you can delegate it. If it's uh, if it's less important and less urgent, then you could just take it off your table, take it off the take it off, take it out altogether. Cool. I'm definitely going to use that. Um, I just sent you a awesome. connection request on LinkedIn just so we connect. I found, you know, a lot of podcasters aren't on LinkedIn, and I found so many different people that are putting out books, courses that I that I'm able to get a chance to interview just by being a member of LinkedIn. So, what is your uh, I think LinkedIn, on LinkedIn can be great. I think there's a lot of people that are very spammy on LinkedIn, and it, it's 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 really uh, whatever the. Yep finger in the punch bowl thing going on. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I think that LinkedIn has to figure out, figure out something to write the ship. I think what they've had is not necessarily working. And I think if they don't write the ship, I think within a couple of years, people just won't be taking it seriously at all. Uh, I love that. And I totally agree. So guys definitely check out my brother, super Joe Pardo get his books, listen to his podcast, get involved with them. Guys, I want to thank our sponsor, Bonvera, Jason Lane Curtis, supplying me all my energy drinks. 
I appreciate you, brother. I love you. So, Joe, thank you so much. Um, now that we've talked, you know, I consider you a friend and a family member and our certain friend that hooked us up. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. And and I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to getting to talk more and and be connected and see everything that you're doing and, uh, and seeing how I can support you. Uh, God bless you. And they are uh, three and four about to be three and five. Yeah. Three and five in a couple days. So, you know, ha- go kiss the babies. Thank you and so have a much, beautiful Richard. Day. God bless, brother. All right, brother. Bye.